When you hear the word generosity, what comes to mind? Financial generosity? And if so, do you immediately think, I'd love to be generous, but I just don't have the financial resources to do so? If so, you are going to love today's episode. I'm excited to welcome back to the She Impacts Culture podcast, Sharon Epps. Sharon is an experienced leader, strategist, and speaker who currently serves as the COO of Kingdom Advisors, the leading advocate for the Christian financial industry. She is also a founding partner of Women Doing Well, an organization that envisions a world in which Christian women live with joyful generosity, are confident in their callings and passions, and give strategically and sacrificially of their time talent, and treasure. In today's episode, Sharon and I chat about the connection between women, faith, and generosity. What is generosity, and is it only a financial thing? The challenges that keep women from being generous, and what is grateful living, and what does it look like? Friends, this episode encouraged me so much. If you want to impact and influence culture through your generosity, then listen in. There are multiple ways that you can be generous, even when you think you can't. Okay, so you co-founded an organization called Women Doing Well. I'd love to chat a little bit about that. What led you to bring this organization into existence? And um, where did the idea come from? And what is Women Doing Well? Well, I'll tell you the story and then it will make more sense what it is. This is a great example of vision coming from loss and pain. There were four of us, by the way, we weren't best friends. In fact, it was one of those where two of us knew each other and then that one knew another one. And so the four of us literally within 90 days of each other found ourselves with two things in common, a lot more free time than we had had before. And secondly, a heart for women and money. Um, We all came out of the financial services sector one way or the other. And we were reading statistics like the fact that by 2030, women will have received almost 70% of the intergenerational wealth transfer that's going on between the generations right now. Lots of stats like that. So we were seeing those stats, but then we were in the financial services industry and we didn't see much going on with women. And we particularly didn't see much going on with Christian women and biblical principles. And so we actually did not set out to form a company. We were a prayer group and we prayed. And we literally were scattered across the country, but we prayed every Friday morning for about a year about this issue. God, show us your heart for women. Show us your heart for women and money, particularly Christian women and money. And so what came out of that is we actually commissioned 18-month research study, um, one of the largest that's ever been done with Christian women. Uh, Over 7,000 women ended up participating, which our researcher told us was a finding in and of itself that so many women were interested that they participated in it. And coming out of that study, it really revealed three primary things related to women and money, women and generosity. And we thought, well, we're going to just tell all of our affiliated organizations about these great findings and they'll take it and run with it. But what we discovered is 
they told us we did a great job with the research and they were really impressed with the findings. And then they had no clue what to do with it. Right. So, in fact, we had a horrible name, something like Christian Women's Collaborative at that point, because we didn't even care. We weren't even trying to brand. We were just trying to kind of get this message out. And so that's when we decided, okay, Lord, you know, you have put a vision on our heart and we have accountability with each other. And we asked for help in getting this research done. We better get a project plan together and figure out, you know, how we can serve to get this message out. And so um, over 10 years ago now, we had the opportunity to form Women Doing Well. And uh, it went through a couple of iterations. Again, throw it out there and edit to demand. We did some consulting with advisory firms. We did some consulting with ministries, all of which worked really well and was going pretty great. But we had women literally knocking down our door and saying, what are you doing for us? And we, we kept thinking, well, we're doing this leverage thing. We're helping the advisors and the ministries, and then they'll serve you better. And the women kept saying, no, what are you doing for us? So <laughs> that was really the birth of Women Doing Well. Um, today, I'm no longer in operations because I have uh, so much on my plate at Kingdom Advisors, but I am on the uh, Leadership Collective still give some thought leadership and direction. And it's just a joy to see where the Lord has taken it. And particularly even through COVID, taken it with many online resources for women. And what the bottom line is, uh, and we have like a long research report, but if I, if I just summed it up in a couple of sentences, is that we found when women have a vision or a purpose, they're clear on their passions, and then they attach that to a plan that they are what we call maximally generous or our researchers like, like to call them giving virtuosos. And what's so cool about this is that the generosity is not just reflected in money. It's generosity mm. of time. It's generosity of relationships. It's basically living an open-handed life before God. And so that's really, I'm really telling you the first part of the story of what leads me to being what's passionate about vision is that if we can help women understand their vision and have clarity on their purpose and their passions, develop a plan on whatever God's put in their life, then we've just found that they're the most freed up to serve him and further the kingdom. And that's what we're all after is this wow. ability to walk in confidence that I'm doing what God wants me to do here on earth so I can enjoy him here and in heaven. Yeah, that is a beautiful story. And I love that the whole time I'm like, man, I I need to hire your team to help me with my She Impacts Culture vision, you know, and bringing all of these ideas that I have into reality. But I love that. And that was actually one of the questions I was going to ask you is, is generosity only a financial thing? Because so many times I think when we hear the word generosity, we immediately think money and for many women, many families, they're like, well, I don't have any extra money to give. Like I am, I'm tapped out. So you mentioned time and relationships. Are there other ways also to be generous besides time, relationships and money? Or would you say those are the top three? Well, I have an acronym and I think it actually originated with Crew, Campus Crusade. So I want to give credit where it's due, but it's actually of life, L-I-F-E. And those are really the four ways we can be generous. L is for labor. I is for influence. F is for finances. And E is for expertise. 
So when we think about generosity, we often do think of our finances, just that F. But I think there are so many ways we could contribute labor, just putting our hands and feet to something. I had an opportunity this past year to participate in a project where we built filters for water wells in Africa. And we were able to even do it from the comfort of our own home. But, and it was very simple. I mean, it was literally pushing tubing in. It didn't take any expertise, but it was just rewarding to know that that filter would give over a thousand gallons of water to someone that doesn't have clean water. So that's an example of labor. And I think many, many women contribute their labor and then don't even think it's generosity. And it, it you know, I think the I, the influence may be one of the most overlooked is that when I have a relationship with someone and I can introduce that person to another someone that makes a healthy kingdom building God led connection, I'm using my influence in a generous way. And so making connections, using what you uh, have been given to help something happen is generous. And it's a way that it doesn't cost a bit of money. And most of the time, it doesn't even cost that much time. It's more of a generous mindset of a willingness of whatever God's given me, I'm willing to share it. And um, that can be a huge impact for people. And oftentimes from the giver doesn't seem like that much, but it can be so significant. Finances, you know, is probably what you would expect. Expertise is another as well. So again, I'll just use a personal example from our family. I cook to feed my family. I do not cook for joy. And my youngest daughter, uh, when when she was in middle school and high school, really had a desire to learn to bake bread. Well, that was not something that was life-giving to me. (laughs) I can relate to that. My husband does all the cooking in our house because I'm like, nobody wants me cooking. Nobody (laughs) wants me cooking. But we had a neighbor down the street who loved, I mean, she loved to make bread so much. She went and would get her own, I won't even use the right word here. I'm sorry, ladies, but her own uncultivated wheat. I mean, she would get the wheat and process it. And so she volunteered for my daughter to come down and several weeks in a row, got to bake bread with my friend, Amy. And it was hugely generous of her. She shared her expertise with my daughter. They developed a relationship. I mean, it was just a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I guess that's another note for moms. I have moms on my brain today is we don't have to be all things to our children. We can help them find other experts. We don't have to be the expert for every single thing that they're interested in or we feel like they need. And so again, it's a beautiful part of God's economy where if we live in community and we live with this idea of, I have things to share with others. They have things to share with me. Then you just have such a rich tapestry of life to pull from rather than just, I'm doing it all myself. Yeah, that is so, so good. And I love that acronym again, because I just feel so many times as women, we're like, well, if I can't give $5,000 to this or $2,000 to this, or gosh, $500 to this, then again, I think sometimes we beat ourselves up about that, but maybe you are being generous in these other areas through your labor, through your influence, through your expertise, things that we often don't think about. So again, I love that. And I feel 
women, I hope that those of you that are listening, you just feel all these weights coming off of you today as we talk about this. Okay, so in scripture, we find that women were among the first supporters of Jesus's ministry, which I absolutely love. What would you say, Sharon, is the significance of this? And what does this mean for us today? I could talk a very long time about this because it's so close to my heart. Um, When I discovered in Luke 8 that women were listed as the supporters of Jesus, it really blew my mind. I mean, think about in these times, um, women were really not even considered, they weren't considered able to own their own property. Um, And so I think it's just one of the ways that Jesus restores the value of womanhood to us to say that these women actually pulled from their own purses the money that helped support our Lord and Savior. And I think it also, I want to balance, because I do want to release the weights on that life acronym, but I also think sometimes as women, we dismiss the difference we can make with our finances. And so I don't want to just ignore it, because what we have found, that even women of significant means tend to minimize the difference they can make. They Mm. tend to think that they have a less than they really do. And so you only can give what God puts in your hand. And that's one of the things that I love about the way he works is that it's not how much you have that is a, a measuring stick, but it is, what do I do with what I have? Have I used money wisely as a tool? And am I able to invest it to make a big difference? And so, you know, I think there's such joy that those women experienced when they supported Jesus. And I think we miss out on the joy when we say, well, I don't have very much. I can't give very much. And so I don't care if it's $5 or $2. It really isn't the amount, but it is that heart of, I want to be part of something outside of myself. In fact, I had a counselor one time that was mentoring me. We were um, starting up a budget coaching program at a church that I was leading. And he was mentoring me about how to help people um, that are struggling with depression. And the first two things he said were pretty expected. He said, you know, encourage them to eat well, to get sleep. But the third thing surprised me. And he said, encourage them to do something for someone else. Mm-hmm. And that has really stuck with me through all the years. And I think that sometimes we say, well, I don't have that much to give. So what I give won't make a difference. And not only does it make a difference to the cause that you're giving to, it actually makes a difference for you. And it's mm-hmm. actually life giving and health giving for you. And so I really do encourage us to think about what has God put in my hand that I might be able to share with someone else and experience the joy. Yeah, I love that. Because again, I do. I think sometimes we think, well, if I can't give $300, then my five bucks, why bother? You know, and then we end up not giving at all. But if you've got $5 to give, give $5. Right. God isn't, like you said, it's not a measuring stick. God's not looking, well, you know, or when you meet him face to face one day, he's not going to be like, well, you know, you should have gave $550 instead of 500 you know. <laughs> and I do. I think we get so caught up in that. 
at different times. Mm -hmm. So I found this very interesting. I think I saw this online in a study that was conducted. It was found that women with a strong sense of calling and purpose are more generous than those without. And we kind of hit a little bit on that, but can you provide some additional insights into this? Like, what does this correlation mean? Like, that is just I don't know. I find that to be a little bit mind blowing that women with a strong sense of calling and purpose are more generous than those without. Wow. That actually did come from our study. So yes, okay. the results that we found. And it goes back to what we were talking about with the vision uh, and ties very closely to it is that I'm clear that I can make a difference in a particular area. And in fact, I, I didn't really get to this in the life acronym. When we line up our labor, influence, finance, and expertise in one particular area, it's incredibly powerful. And so um, when I have a sense of purpose, I think probably the best way I could do this is I'll just use myself as an example. Um, One of the things that we do at Women Doing Well is help women find their two-word purpose statement. And I don't know about you, but I have been through all kinds of exercises, all kinds of classes. I've got paragraph long. I've got sentence long. I've got every kind of purpose statement in the world until, again, we ask for help with an expert that does purpose statements, our friend Mary Tomlinson. And she actually has a process that helps guide you to find your two words. Well, my two words are cultivate understanding. And when you find your two words, They will apply at home. They will apply in your work life. They will apply in your friend relationships. And in fact, it so speaks to who I am. I sometimes have to stop and say, okay, I'm trying to cultivate understanding and that's not really my role in this particular, (laughs) in this particular conversation. So, but it helps, it helps guide me. But when I have that and then I have the opportunity to give L-I-F-E, any one of those things, I can ask myself the question, Am I furthering this purpose of cultivating understanding? We've shared a little bit about the fact that I have a great interest in Indiana Wesleyan University and I have supported it with my finances and with my labor and with my expertise and my influence, all four of them, (laughs) because it is a Christian university that I love that is all about spreading the kingdom and cultivating understanding in thousands of people. And so the cause is a cause that aligns with my purpose. And I can fulfill what God's asked me to do in all those areas of L, I, F, and E in that one particular thing. Well, that may not resonate with somebody else at all. We've had such great stories about clarifying purpose. Um, One of my best friends, her two-word purpose statement is sparking joy. And I would just tell you, if you meet her, you're going to just know that because her speech is about sparking joy, her Everything that she does is. And yet, as she was working to be more generous, there were so many causes that were not affiliated with her purpose statement that, that they, it kind of just brought her down. In fact, it robbed joy, but yet she could find ways that she could tie into causes where she was sparking joy versus being robbed of joy. And it just makes all the difference in the world. And sometimes it redefines the causes you invest in. And sometimes it just redefines how you invest in the causes themselves. Another great example was a woman that came to us and said, and I want to keep these really simple. She came to us and said, okay, I really want to be generous. And 
I give away our clothes. There's a, a not-for-profit that comes around on their truck and you know, picks up the clothes from the front porch. And I just want you to know, I don't feel on purpose. I feel off purpose. I know it should be done, but I don't, I don't feel great about it. I mean, it just feels like this really perfunctory thing. Well, we got into it with her and began understanding that her purpose statement was building community. Well, there was nothing about building community when you left a bag of clothes on your front porch. However, she just made a slight alteration and found a women's and children's shelter and started taking the clothes physically to the shelter and having an opportunity to meet some of the people that were actually going to wear the clothes. And so the very same act of generosity suddenly gave her life and joy because she was in a community, building community with people instead of just leaving a sack of clothes on the front porch. And so just even the simplest things like that, as you understand your purpose, you can more align with how God's made you and the ways you're generous. And therefore, guess what? Every time kids outgrow clothes, she's excited to go down there now. And she wants to be generous because she has an opportunity to have community. Okay. So number one, I've got to get with your team because I want my two word purpose statement. And again, I feel like I can resonate with that so much. Like I moved to Indiana, you know, two years ago for my position at Indiana Wesleyan University. And I've been here now for almost two years. And one of the things is I want to be a part of the community. Like I've been trying to think in my mind, where can I give? What can I do? How can I be a part of Marion in the community and help out, but I have no idea where to start. And here I am two years later, still trying to think in my head, well, what, what should I get? Do I get involved with this organization, that organization? And I think that is so intriguing that your team helps women do that. Like I have not heard anything like that before. So before we even continue, because I know my listeners are going to be like, I want to be a part of that. How do I do that? So if someone's listening and they're like, I would love to meet with someone who can help me come up with my two-word purpose statement and help me figure out all of these pieces because I want to be generous, but I have absolutely no idea how to be generous, where to begin. I have limited income, but I know that I can give some financially and give labor, influence, expertise, Where should they go to learn more and find out about this? One of the simplest things probably is there is a book written by a gentleman named Kevin McCarthy, and it's called The On Purpose Person. And you can find it on Amazon or anywhere books are sold. And it's a very quick read. It's not a big long book, but it's got the actual exercise in it that helps you get to your two words. Um, Believe it or not, we actually have people run a tournament, you know, just like basketball season, you run a tournament, they have a whole list of words that you could kind of choose from and try on. And so you just weigh words against the other, and you kind of get down to two words. And for most people, it takes a, a few passes. So what we typically do is we ask them to run the tournament, come up with what we call our borrowed two word purpose statement, just from this ba- word bank, so to speak. But at least it gives you a start, you know, something that you kind of start living with. And then from that, then you'll refine it over time. So I didn't start out with cultivating understanding. It kind of came over time as I started experimenting with what felt on purpose and what felt off purpose. 
Another way that we encourage you is that think of the top three times that you have felt like you are running with the flow of the river, running with the stream. I don't know if you've ever gone floating on a river and you know how where you're going with the flow of the river. It's just easy. You literally kick back. You could talk to your friends in the tube. You know, you can have a great time. But if you try to float upstream from the river, it's just paddling and hard work. And so one simple thing you could do is think of three times in your life where you've been just flowing with the river. You know, it just feels like what you're doing is easy. It feels like the people around you are are the people that you love to be with, all those things. And then think of three times that you just feel like whatever you do when you were just going against the stream, against the current. Those just few examples can also help point you in the right direction. And then Women Doing Well, if you are interested in more of a course or a track uh, to run on, womendoingwell.org has courses that you can participate in and everything that you need to know is there. So it can help you on a pathway, basically, of figuring out your purpose and your passion and then having a plan for generosity. So multiple resources there. Yes, that is fabulous because I know listeners are going to want to know how they can get in on this and learn more about their specific purpose and how they can be generous. And, you know, it reminds me of, you know, whenever I go, again, when generosity, so many times we we tend to think of it in the finan- financial realm, but every time I check out at a store now, you're always given the opportunity to round up, to give to this specific charity. And I got to be honest with you, most of the time I say no, but then I feel bad because I'm like, well, I just said no to this charity and this and that. And I feel like it, once we know like our purpose, our two word purpose statement, then we can walk confidently in the areas that we are choosing to give to and not walk away feeling bad because we said no at the grocery store checkout. Yeah, 100%. And that goes all the way back around to what we were talking about a lot earlier about that freedom to say no. The barriers that keeps us from our vision is not saying no. And remembering that that cause even at the checkout, there is somebody that's deeply passionate about it that can be freed up to give towards it. Yes. Okay. So I know we are running out of time, but I got to talk about this real quick. You know, we are living in a world right now where things are getting more and more expensive. Just turn on the news and it's all about inflation, like gas is out of control. Groceries are out of control. Cars, if you need a new car, that's like everything has just gotten so expensive. And for many, it's bringing on financial stress and anxiety. So one of the things that you've mentioned before is grateful living. So can we talk a little bit about that? What is grateful living and what does it look like? Because right now in our world, I think many women, many of my listeners are probably just stressed because of the expense to everything right now. So let's talk a little bit about grateful living. We know the Lord talks to us about Uh, taking our thoughts captive. And for me personally, gratitude is the only way I can do that. Um, I've tried a lot of other things and gratitude is the only thing that works. And what I mean by that is in every single day, we all have at least three things to be grateful for. And so I learned this during one of the darkest times of my life 
I literally uh, was just having a hard time. It wasn't clinical depression. I just was in a funk and could not get out of it. And um, about that time, I read Ann Voskamp's book, A Thousand Gifts, which, by the way, if you haven't read that, is just a wonderful, wonderful book. And so I made the commitment for one year that I would not go to bed without writing down three things that I was grateful for. There were a few days that I wrote down, I can breathe. That was, that was what I was grateful yeah. for. I was, I was struggling. Um, but what I found as I kept up the habit and I kept persisting that it began to flow and there would be days I'd have five or seven and I didn't want to turn it off. But what it does is it refocuses your brain towards what God's given you versus what you don't have. And God promised us in his word that he's given us everything pertaining to life and godliness. That's second Peter. And there's a, an element of trust here that quite frankly, we've been in an era of abundance. I mean, it has been many years since we've had financial challenges. And I think human nature, mine included, is to start relying on the comforts of money rather than on the presence of God. And mm -hmm. so, yes, you will have podcast listeners that do have needs and they need to make those needs known. The entity that God created for that is the church. And that's a whole nother conversation. I don't know that as a church, we're actually doing what we should be doing in that area, but um, we do need to make our needs known at the same time. We all have things that we can be grateful for, even in a changing economic environment. And I haven't found a better way to reframe my thinking, to have the kind of thoughts that God would want me to have than to be grateful. Yeah, I love that. And I would Suppose, let's say we have a woman that is listening and she doesn't really see any way to be generous. She's living paycheck to paycheck. Um, she needs and wants to grow her savings, but feels so far behind. And truthfully, she's just trying to make it day by day. She's financially stressed and her anxiety is high. Is that what you would say to her is to maybe do like a one-year challenge every night before you go to bed, the Grateful Living Challenge. I think so. And the other thing is you may need some practical help. So I don't want to discount that. Let mm -hmm. me give you one other resource, uh, moneywise.org. It's moneywise.org. That's the ministry that Kingdom Advisors supports that helps individuals. And on moneywise.org, if you go to the community tab, you can ask to connect with a coach. And these are volunteer for free budget coaches that will lead you through a process and just help you assess, you know, do I need to just fine tune and make some adjustments or am I really at a place that I need help and they can help direct you towards resources. And so that's a great resource for you to Again, go back to what I was talking about earlier, that don't be afraid to ask for help and have accountability and develop a plan. That's not just for vision for new things. It's also vision for my next steps in finance. So it works all the way around. Yeah, that is wonderful. Moneywise.org. Yes. I love that. Okay, here's my final question for you. So as a college professor, I work with a lot of college students, students who are actually getting ready to enter into the marketplace. We just had our graduation. Um, ceremony students are excited about getting into the marketplace and they're ready to start their careers. So what advice do you have for them as it relates to faith, finances, and generosity? Oh, I love this one. First of all, 
I want to relieve some burden from your shoulders as a recent graduate. And that is you're not going to have it all mapped out. And if you do, it will change. So just, just an FYI on that. And I give that advice all the time. We have some ministry residents that we speak into. And so often they come to me as they're nearing the end of their program and they say, I don't know if I want to do this for 15 years. And I always step back and say, do you want to do it for two? If you want to do it for two, go do it and then figure out God will show you along the way. So whatever you're doing right now doesn't have to be forever. But I would say that uh, particularly in this area of generosity, generosity is a lifestyle and it's a decision. And again, don't fall into this trap of, well, I'll be generous when I have more time. I'll be generous when I have more money. I'll be generous once I have a family. Uh, because you won't be. <laughs> You'll have good intentions, but you won't be. And so um, the habits that you're forming today will be the habits that you take into marriage, that you'll take into family, that you'll take into your career. And so I would just encourage you even now to make commitments on that L-I-F-E, that lifeline of ways that you can live open-handedly for the kingdom, because it truly is a joyous life. Yes, Absolutely. Wow, Sharon, this has been wonderful. I could just go on and on chatting with you about all things generosity and visions and all of that. I so appreciate everything that you shared here. I know that my listeners are going to be so encouraged by your words and the extra resources that they can go out and look at. So I just thank you so, so much for that. In closing, how can listeners best connect or connect and partner with you online? Oh, thank you. I, I really think uh, MoneyWise is the best community to do that. So either through those MoneyWise coaches or you can just reach out. I'm happy to answer questions, but honestly, they're going to be your best resources just because of my other responsibilities. They'll be much more timely, but I just would love for them to check out the resources that we've got there. We have lots of articles, blog posts, community. So that's really the best start. And then if you are interested in more of the on-purpose exercises, womendoingwell.org. Perfect. Sharon, thank you so much for being a guest on the She Impacts Culture podcast. Friends, thank you so much for listening to the She Impacts Culture podcast. I know how busy life gets. So the fact that you have faithfully chosen to spend a portion of your time with me means so much and something I don't take for granted. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the She Impacts Culture podcast, the best way to do this is to share it with your friends, your community on social media. Also, to keep up to date with all the happenings, I'd love to have you follow me on Instagram at Dr. Jen Bennett. Thank you again for your support. May God richly bless you as you impact culture through your influence and leadership for his kingdom. Mm -hmm.